Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shaped heavy metal. Please visit our website, The Metal Pit, at www.themetalpit.org, where you can find album reviews, interviews, and live show reviews. Also, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit. And for uh, for video interviews, video shorts, audio versions of this podcast, please visit our YouTube channel, uh, YouTube uh, at YouTube at the Metal Pit Six Six Six. So uh, you, you might not recognize me. I'm your host today, uh, Billy, filling in for Blake. Uh, Blake's taking a well deserved uh, break from this week's podcast. Um, in addition, I'm joined by uh, two of my uh, fellow Metal Pit writers today. Uh, they've been on multiple podcasts, Jim and Ken. Uh, how are you guys doing today? We're good, sir. Very, very good. Awesome. Talking Blind Guardian. Metal. It's, it's a, Sunday, yes. a, a Sunday morning metal chat. It's awesome. It doesn't get any better. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And let me test your memory. Do you guys re- recall the last time the three of us were together? Boy, bod. Boy, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, that was a great one. Yeah, no, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so today's topic, uh, Ken sort of uh, mentioned it. It's Blind Guardian. Uh, we're going to focus on the uh, critically acclaimed album, uh, Nightfall in uh, Middle Earth. Uh, it was released in 1998. Um, so interestingly, I mean, I've heard the, the Blind Guardian themselves say uh, this is their favorite album. Uh, I know firsthand they still play many of these songs live in a concert, uh, and it tends to be a, a fan favorite as well. Uh, often uh, hear fans saying it's their, their favorite album, but... Later in the podcast, Jim, Ken, and I will uh, be ranking all the Blind Guardian albums. So uh, we'll see if it's our favorite uh, or not or, or, or where it sits. So uh, mm-hmm. stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned for that. Um, so before we dig into the album, maybe just some brief uh, history uh, on, uh, on Bl- uh, Blind Guardian. Uh, they were formed in Germany in uh, 1984, originally called Lucifer's Heritage, uh, before changing the name to uh, Blind Guardian. Uh, certainly, you know, considered highly influential uh, in terms of uh, their representation in power metal uh, and early on speed metal genres. Uh, the two main guys in the band from beginning to today um, Vocalist Hansi Kirsch uh, and guitarist uh, Andre Ulbrich were the two original members. Uh, and if anyone's looked through the uh, the credits for songwriting, uh, those two guys do the majority uh, of the writing. Uh, the band's got 12 studio albums uh, you know, and some live albums and compilations as well. Uh, first album, Battalions of Fear, uh, came out in 88. And their most recent album, uh, The God Machine, was released last year in uh, 2022. Um, 
so that's a bit of history about the band. I think they're 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 well known. Uh, Jim, Ken, anything you 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 guys would like to add to the history of uh, Blind Garden? Oh, I think you said it all there, uh, Billy. Uh, the, the power metal, probably power metal gods, probably one of the premier acts God, in power yeah. metal, as far as I'm concerned. Anyways, I mean, for me, how about you, Jim? Yeah, yeah, these guys are are awesome, and I I do I like a lot of power metal. There's so much new power metal coming out, but these guys are like of the four, you know, the stool with the four legs on it. They're one of the one of the big four power metal bands, I would say for sure. These guys built a wheel on that, so uh, I mean, it's just awesome. And musician, musically and and vocally, as well as the writing, it's just. I mean, all the only word, one word I could sum it up is epic. That's it, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. No, good, good point. And we'll talk a bit uh, later about the, uh, the their place in history, uh, in terms of the uh, the power metal uh, genre. So, uh, more to come on that one. So, so let's kick it off with uh, where we first uh, discovered uh, Blind Guardian, when that was, how we discovered them. Uh, so, Ken, maybe you could kick that off. Uh, sure. So I I love German thrash. So back in the day, you're, you're talking about like Sodom, Destruction, Creator, and I always heard Blind Guardian. So I thought, well, they're not a thrash band. So I'd always seen in the trades or even like mu music magazines always mention Blind Guardian. So I looked them up and I find out that, oh, it's like power metal, but it's like power metal, speed metal, mm. maybe a little bit of thrash thrown in in some points. And that's where I first heard of them, and I've been a fan like ever since because I just include them in that in that small group of uh, German German metal bands that that pretty much are cream of the crop. Yeah, it's very similar to me as well. I I think I identified quicker with Halloween first, and then uh, it was kind of a natural progression. An older brother, a friend of mine, had the album Battalions of Fear, so we played the hell out of that. And I mean, uh, it, that's a wicked 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 debut album and uh it like you uh ken i think the german you know the teutonic four yeah. with the thrash metal is where you know i was i'm always a thrash guy first death metal guy as mm. well and then the power metal mixes right in i think you know sodom and and uh you know creator and that it was a natural their name was always tossed around in the yeah. magazines and that and even though they weren't part of the thrash movement per se they definitely, you know, being German and being mentioned in kind of that German wave that was that was obviously coming out of there at the time, for sure. Mm -hmm. No, very cool. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'm that different, really. Um I, I do remember I used to always go to this really cool, uh, you know, growing up in Montreal, there was, you know, this amazing me uh, dedicated metal record store uh, called uh, Rock on Stock. So anyone around in the 80s uh, from Montreal will certainly know that. But I remember going there, I would always go like Friday and, and go and look for some new albums. And I actually saw Battalions of Fear uh, sitting on the uh, vinyl rack. And I remember asking the guy, you know, what's this band? Uh, that's where I kind of discovered them. And, you know, he described them. You know, I brought the uh, the album home. Uh, and then I've been a fan ever since. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. The album cover, uh, it's not their best album cover, but it caught my attention <laughs> right away. <laughs> yeah cool 
so yeah so so let's let's actually dive into the uh individual songs uh and then so 22 uh official tracks uh a few of those are you know are sort of uh brief intros or kind of interludes uh we may not spend as much time uh, on those but uh, i think i'll just pass it to ken to maybe talk a bit about how you know this is based on jrr tolkien's uh book i'm probably butchering this but the silma Brilliant, but I'll pass it over to Ken and let him uh, give some background there. Yeah, so the Silmarillion was actually uh, published posthumously for uh, Tolkien. Um, he was working on this before his passing, and his son uh, Christopher, who basically at that point was like running his father's estate and held all the uh, creative control over the Tolkien universe, uh, published the book in 1977. Now, it is a short story collection, so what you get here is uh, five part five part sections and the premise to it is that Bilbo Baggins uh, being one of the elves had actually written had actually was one of the guys who translated a series of books from the elfish and this volume the Silmarillion is one of those one of those books in in that in that set so it's broken up into five parts um, the first part is the creation myth of Ea so you get a bit a brief history of the world um, Valaquenta then discusses like the supernatural powers that are involved in Ea. Uh, then you, chapter three is uh, the Quenta. So what you get here is the first the first age, as they call it in, in Tolkien uh, universe, and it's the War of the Three Jewels. And then after that, in the fourth section, it goes into the uh, Akabeleth. Ak I think I'm, I'm butchering this myself. Akabeleth, which details the second age, and then of course you get to the big part, which is part five. And it's the third age, which is a brief summary into the Lord of the Rings. So that's generally the how it's broken up. Okay. So, so Ken, does that mean, so for many people who are familiar with the movies, uh, <laughs> is this sort of before or after the movies? It's actually, good, good, good point, Billy. Um, this actually, th these books are meant to be before the okay. Lord of the Rings. Like it's, it's basically a history of, of the world, of, of, of the Tolkien world. Okay. So the five the five stories sort of detail the beginnings of of, the, of that age. Okay, perfect. Well, that's a great uh, synopsis uh, of where this uh, great album uh, comes from. Um, so yeah, so so let's start on the uh, individual uh, tracks. Uh, so the first one, uh, shorter one, less than two minutes, uh, "War of the Wrath." Uh, Kim, uh, Ken, Jim, anything uh, you guys want to say here? It seems to be mainly uh, battle scene and some narration happening here. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Yeah, it's just I mean, it's a cool start. I like. There's a lot of stuff on this album. There's a lot going on, and the shorts. I've read a lot of reviews and a lot of people, a lot of critics uh, love this album, but they think that maybe the spoken word parts and the, the sort of mm -hmm. smaller uh, parts that I think add to the album. I mean, this is a, this is a work of art. This reminds me of something like, it'd be more like a queen album set to speed and uh, power metal, you know, because it's yeah. that much of a big production. And I think these, these small little bits in there, which I call them, are needed to kind of tell the story. Um, so I, I like them. I mean, yeah, it's a battle. It's a battle scene starts off and it starts the album off off great. Yeah, yeah. So what, I'll, what I can add is that the opening, that opening monologue, bit, the, the War of Wrath. So it's basically Sauron and Morgoth. So Sauron is, so it's at the end of, of the Third Age where the battle is completed and the fall of uh, Valar. 
So what ha- what happens is that Sauron goes to his master. He goes he goes to Morgoth and tells him, as you know in the in the, in the song, that the battle is lost. So it's a great opening. So you get the villain's point of view right from the get go, and mm-hmm. I love that. And then when you get the song itself into the storm, it's it sort of details uh, Morgoth's uh, fleeing from uh, from um, from Valinor. And it's such a great, great song with like ripping guitars, like right from the start, it, it's strong. And I think that that's one of my favorite songs on the album, actually. And I think overall Into the Storm is one I think they they play a lot live from my from my interpretation. Yeah, Into the Storm, they played, uh, it's their ninth most uh, played song live. Wow. Uh, they've cool. done it just over 300 times. Cool. Yeah, I, I figured that would be the case. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually Into quite the... a few. I think I mentioned it up front, but quite a few of these songs make their uh, set list. That's right. Yeah. And Jim, how about you? Into the storm. Uh, this is probably my third favorite song on the on the album. I mean, it's awesome. It, the strong vocals on this song just, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, it's a great album. That if you're not a blind, if you have never heard Blind Guardian, this is a great one to sink your teeth into. So you can, uh, you know, it, it's. It's so many albums into their careers, uh, and and they're you know they were pretty they're pretty polished by now, um, and it's just something that give you a, a insight into what this band's all about. But I mean, I, the vocals on this are just phenomenal, and yeah, that's my third favorite uh, on the album. Yeah, no, well said. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of it as well. I mean, it, it, for me, it's kind of the sweet spot in uh, Blind Guardian songwriting. Uh, mm-hmm. What I love about it, and this will apply to many of the songs here, their their ability to combine the heavier, ag- heavy aggressiveness and like the beautiful melodic stuff. Uh, they just they do it so well. The the hugely memorable choruses uh, and the gang uh, backing vocals that come in just really cool um i always kind of felt uh that this could have easily been on imaginations as well uh, yeah yeah exactly it similar maybe it was a leftover i don't know uh, mm-hmm. but then and maybe just what i only have one of these but i thought it was a, a pretty interesting story uh just watching a, a blind guardian interview so this song was originally when they were writing the album called uh, Gollum speaks um and, and so you know they had gotten really far in the writing and hansi was doing the lyrics um but he really wanted to stay true to the chronological order of the uh, of the books and, and the story. So the problem was the way the song was written, it was going to come after Nightfall. But all the band thought, you know, this is obviously a great opener. They wanted it first. So Hansi had to change the name to Into the Storm, uh, reworked it a little so it still kind of stays true uh, to the story timeline. So I thought that was kind of interesting. There were actually one or two minor changes like this uh, on the album as they got further into finalizing it uh, in order to stay true to the story. So, yeah, just just a little uh, tidbit there. Cool. All right. Uh, so next we get another one of these uh, smaller uh, tracks. N- not as much happening here uh, as the <laughs> intro track. Uh, it's uh, Lam uh, Lamoth. Yeah. Uh, anything you guys want to add here? Uh, sure. So it starts out with Morgoth's scream. Uh, he screams at the start of it, and basically he's summoning the Balrog. So that's the whole point of that opening the opening bit before we get into the actual song itself. Cool. Okay. 
cool. It's so small. It's so so yeah, short. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, there's there's actually something there in just uh, 28 seconds, which I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's basically what happened. What what they're trying. It's weird that they would put that little 28 seconds there, but I, I guess you know it's part of the narration of of the actual events in the book. Yeah. No, makes sense. So now we come uh, to uh, to a song that's the fourth most played live, yeah. uh, about 550 times or so, uh, Nightfall. Jim, you want to kick us off on this one? Yeah, it's a great song. I mean, uh, it kind of starts off, you think it's going to be a ballad, and then it just rips. And I mean, it's anthemic. And I mean, I'm gonna, this is the whole theme of this whole album. And I mean, anthemic is the word I would use to describe this song, and I, I, I'm, I believe it's been played so many times. It's probably a crowd favorite. It's in my top half of the album, but great, great, great song for sure. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I would agree. It's a great song. There's a lot of Queen uh, flourishes in this song. <laughs> yeah, and you'll notice yeah. it throughout throughout the album that they, you get a lot of Queen, like with that kind yeah. of operatic, kind of bold, grandiose style. Which which makes this song great. I love this song too. It's um it's a great sing along song. I, I I know in 2016 when the last time I'd seen them live, they they played this song and it it's a crowd it's a crowd favorite for sure. Yeah. And also what I like about it too is that it's it's kind of an important song because it's about Feanor and and all his seven sons. They're mourning the loss after the, the valley's been destroyed by Morgoth. So it's kind of it's it's great. And I just love the way that they they wrote the song to sort of um. Um, give you that that kind of and it's not the song's not overwrought but it's it's just the flourishes and the grandoise nature of it is what i like about it yeah i know i agree like uh, uh i enjoy the song for me it's probably middle of the uh uh middle of the road uh, i guess maybe i miss a little bit of the um you know the faster paced blind guardian in there but again not every song could be like that so i get that uh, i actually do you know i think as you said ken i definitely prefer it live um like i remember seeing uh blind guardian a few times uh at wacken in germany uh and there really is something special to like eighty thousand people singing along with the band to the chorus uh it, it's, yeah. a, it's a pretty cool uh cool event but uh yeah i mean uh, for me it's probably ranked kind of in the middle i just don't get the same replay value for me but mm -hmm. again that's just me i know i'm probably the uh the minority there uh okay. but still good song okay uh so next uh another interlude uh, interlude the minstrel uh what do you guys think here uh this is like a very short a short kind of thing about um magalor uh, he's the son of Fainer, so he he's the one that composes this song called uh Noldor. so it's based on the idea of kin slaying and it leads basically into the curse of Fainer, which yeah which is like another great great ripper of a track yeah 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 no, exactly. So yeah, so you're right. So that brings us into uh, the curse of Feanor. Um, so uh, Jim, you want to jump in here? Yeah, this is a great song. I mean, this is a heavy, heavy song, yeah. and I really, really like it. It's uh, I think there's probably one or two more that are super heavy like this, but this could either up to this point on this album, you know, we're six tracks, maybe three full song tracks in. This is definitely the heaviest track uh, uh, on the album. And 
this is I ranked it as my number fourth, so I only ranked up to four, uh, just because everything will either be in the top half or the back half. So, yeah, exactly. but this is my fourth, uh, my fourth favorite song on it, and you know, this actually borders a little bit kind of a thrashy sound to it in, in my yeah. mind. But I agree with uh, Ken, like the the comparison to the Queen on this album is like I think it's got to do with like these choir. There's like a choir like harmonies that really. And on the last song, I think that really kind of came true, and it kind of m mimics that in a heavier fashion. But uh, no, this this song is just phenomenal. I I really like it. One of my favorites on the album. Yeah, and I think that Queen reference we've said it a few times, but uh, it's definitely a precursor to what was going to come uh, yeah. with the next album, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so maybe I'll jump in on this one. So yeah, for me, it, it hands down uh, my favorite track on the album, uh, positioned perfectly coming after Nightfall, uh, got a good placement there. Uh, and again, it's, it's like the older Blind Guardian, the, the instrumentation is, is up front equally with Hanzi's vocals. So huge riffs. We even get an extended like guitar solo in this song, uh, just a massive uh, drum sound. So yeah, as you could tell, I'm a, a fanboy of uh, this one my uh, my favorite track on the album easily but sadly it, it's hardly ever played uh, i oh, was yeah. only able to find a reference to 14 times uh, wow so maybe it's a bit too heavy for for the average fan i don't know but ken wh where do you stand on this one? Oh, i like this track too and the thing about it is that the curse of fainer is a very important moment because it's at the at that point where fainer is like he's angry he's upset uh, because of all the kinsling that he's had to do, like to commit to as he's pursuing Morgoth. So I can kind of see where the track does have a kind of a thrashy feel to it. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot darker for their material. So I get it. But just based on, on that song alone, I, I totally understand why it's uh why it's placed where it is. And I agree with you, Billy, like where it's placed, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect, perfect order in the in the in the in the album for me. Yeah, because we're going to get another like slower song very soon. So uh, placement is good there. Uh, okay, so then we're on the uh, seven track, uh, Captured. Uh, again, another pretty short one, about 25 seconds. Uh, <laughs> I think all I hear is you are now my guest forever. Uh, but it's more goth, significant yeah. story-wise, uh, Ken? Yeah, it's Morgoth who actually uh, captures uh, Medithrios. So he's a son of Thanor. And basically, he puts him into chains, and he's got him chained into this mountain. So that's that's what you get there, that little moment. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so then we come with uh, Blood Tears, uh, the eight track. Uh, Jim, how about, uh, what do you think of this one? Oh, I love it. I love it. This is tied for my first, believe it or not. Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah, really, really, I got two okay. number ones on here, and this is one of them. This is what Blind Guardian's all about. I mean, it's, and it's just anthemic. It's it's such a big song. I, I absolutely love it. And and yeah, you're coming out of that ripper of a song with the Curse of Fiener, and then you're heading into heading into this. And it, it just I love this song. It, it's really, really well done. I, I find I'm not quite sure on the meaning, but I'm sure uh, Ken probably has, has some information. <laughs> Ken, you want to go? Yeah, yeah. But so this song, uh, Blood Tears, basically, it's, it's at a point where in captivity, Majros is talking to this other character who's called Fingen. So he's just sort of relating the horrors of why how he's got captured, 
and that he's being stuck in captivity. So the song, I think, is appropriate. The style and the slowness of it and, and sort of the it's not it's not a grander song, but I think it, it kind of perfectly uh, encapsulates the idea of the, the anguish and the and the horrors of being locked in cap captivity in this mountain. So yeah. what I think. Yeah, you're right about that. No, makes sense. Yeah, I'm a big fan uh, as well. Uh, you know, I think Jim said it, but for me, again, it, it's what I think Blind Guardian does best, like the yeah. pacing, right? How they speed up and slow down. Like it yeah. just gives the song a bigger emotional punch, like when it speeds up and then goes back to the slow side. Um, and I think Hansi's vocals are, are, you know, particularly good. Like they're so rich and, uh, they're kind of haunting as well on the song. It's, it's kind of dark, I feel. Um, but another one of those that's rarely been played live, uh, maybe about, uh, 23 times or so, uh, in the history of the band. So, and I always find that odd. I mean, maybe it's just some of the old data on set list FM is not, you know, fully accurate, but I do think it's indicative uh, of what's being played most frequently, uh, but you could, think just on the tour, they would have played it, but maybe not. Yeah. Could it, could it be like uh, their songs are quite, generally in length are fairly long is true i mean they probably have to i'm just thinking i mean you've seen them yeah. um I'm, i suppose they're trying to fit a certain set list in i can imagine because like i think the shortest song on here is like four four just over four minutes so besides mm -hmm. the intros and stuff so i i can't imagine them having but but yeah th that would be a great song live i, I would have loved like to see that live yeah yeah i think they need to do uh uh, kind of what Maiden does sometimes, like they, they'll uh, yeah. do like a, a history tour and go back and hit all the the deep tracks. Uh, that'd be pretty awesome, right? Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Um, so yeah, blood tears, and then we actually uh, don't have an interlude for kind of the uh, <laughs> the first time, uh, which is a bit of a yeah. surprise given the trend. But uh, then we have uh, mirror mirror. Uh, Ken, what, what are your thoughts here? Oh, this is a great sing-along song. I know they played this live a bunch of times. Um, it's a popular, it's a popular song on this album. Yeah. Um, it's I like it. I, I do like the song quite a bit. Um, basically the the song is their their lyrical content towards the song is um they're recounting Turgon uh as uh, Turgon tries to rebuild the city called Gondolin. So it's it's kind of a got a lot of it's got a lot of oomph to it, it's got a lot of uh Mad, I guess, majesty, but it, it's a good song. Um, I see where fans love this song. I know it's uh, one of the more popular popular tunes. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's power metal. I mean, this is a power metal. Just it, it's just the whole song is just power metal. I mean, yeah, you can say that about the whole album, but you get different elements of everything from doom, thrash, speed, to even some you know traditional metal. But this is. It's it's a great track. I like it, and uh, you know it's kind of odd to have two songs together with no with no small intro. It's kind of <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, all of a sudden you you feel spoiled. <laughs> like, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, so Ken, you're right. Definitely uh, a frequent live song. Uh, their yeah. third most played song. So so definitely up yeah. there. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I, I agree. Just your uh, a great Blind Guardian song. And again, it's that, you know, that chorus is just so addictive, right? It, it's fairly simple, mirror, mirror. But, you know, it, it just sort of uh, haunts you the way you sort of uh, sings that track. Like that chorus is just so... Uh, so memorable and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, on the live show which is this is a real big uh, sing-along uh track and also in here like uh, about halfway through or so uh there's like a really good uh, instrumental break that takes place in the song uh mm-hmm. where sort of the guitars uh, and the drums get to come out front so i thought that was pretty cool as well Okay, cool. so then we get one of uh, our friends are back again. The uh, another uh, twenty-four <laughs> second uh, interlude. Uh, face the truth. Uh, hearing some speaking here. Uh, I'm just gonna go right to you, Ken. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so what happens here is that Finn Golfin is reflecting on the destiny of Noldor. Now Noldor fell because of Morgoth. Morgoth's quest to uh, control control the, the land. So he's basically it's just like a reflection of what happened to the city itself. And it's okay. very brief, but Okay. Yeah, and Jim, I don't want to speak uh, for you, but like I'm <laughs> glad we got Ken going through this stuff. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Like it's all like a different language to me. Uh, Same here. I, I was like, man, like I gotta somehow line this all together. I know the tracks, but I don't know yeah. a lot of the, the stories behind it or the actual yeah. yeah. So I was kinda like Oh man, <laughs> but Ken of course steps up and he's got it. He's got exactly. it wired you down. and me both. So, no worries, no worries. <laughs> That's why I okay, so uh, jumping back and what just might be the actual longest song on the album, yeah. I could be wrong, but if memory serves me right, it might be uh, almost seven minutes. Uh, Noldor, uh, Ken, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, six fifty-one. This is a, a kind of a dark song for me as well because you you go further into Finn Golfin's uh, reflection. Uh, so he's talking about the, the passage of time. He's talking about uh, Noldor. He's uh, talking about the idea of the icy waste that's and the prophecy. There's a prophecy here in the song that sort of guides you to the idea of Mandos. So it, it's yeah, just to kind of like bring it down just to simple layman's terms. It's the <laughs> idea that Noldor is, a, Noldor is a prophecy of things to come. And so the song is just basically him recounting that. So that's where I got out of it. It's it's Tolkien speak. You could go on for hours, but that's just the latest terms of it. Yeah. Okay, cool, Jim. What he said? No, I'm just yeah, I was going to say that too. You beat me to it. <laughs> no, I mean musically, the song's pretty cool. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's it's probably not one of my favorites on the album, uh, mm-hmm. but it it is. You know, it, it another classic like power metal track, and I mean it. It's really cool. It's probably not my favorite on there but it, i still i mean when i usually will play this album through um just because it it is it is so long so uh there's no i, I don't feel it's skippable but it, it's not my favorite on the album yeah yeah I, I, I like it for me it probably sits kind of in the uh the middle definitely uh epic but i also like i i have trouble explaining this in words but like, mm-hmm. like i find this a, a more unique track like there's something about hansi's mm-hmm. like vocal phrasing here it, it's different than the rest of the album but but i can't quite put my finger on it but it's very memorable um 
And I like how the guitars really kind of follow uh, Hansi's uh, vocal tone here. So again, I'm not, I'm not going to earn any rewards for describing that, but like, I think <laughs> it's really unique and it's different. Uh, and I actually enjoy it quite a bit. Cool. Uh, so next up, uh, Battle of Sudden Flame. Uh, slightly longer uh, intro, nice. about 45 seconds. Uh, once again, Ken? Yeah, so basically what 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 the what it's what it's talking about is Morgoth. So he's recounting the fact that he uses uh, like the Balrogs and the dragons in, in battle. So it's it's an interesting song as well. Um and it talks further about the idea of the uh the Elven King Finrod, who basically uh tries to oppose well, he tries to oppose um um Morgoth at, at that point in time during during the stories. Okay. Uh, and, and interesting too, I guess. Like maybe I'm wrong, but this may have been the first time where Hansi himself is like a part of the uh, intro. That's right. That's right. Ah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So next we have uh, another uh, sort of uh, staple of the live show, uh, seventh most uh, played live song, yeah, uh, cool. "Time Stand Still at the Iron Hill." Jim, you want to kick off with this one? Absolutely. My second favorite song mm -hmm. on the album. I mean, yeah. I love this song. I find it's a great drum track and it has a cool yeah. groove to it. The drums on it are awesome. And it really, I think, you know, here we are, what is this, 13 song into the album and it's got a, it's got a great placement and it just injects a lot of energy into this, into this album. But I, I can imagine, I'm so glad that it uh, it's played live. So can it, or, or sorry, uh, uh, Billy, have you seen this song live? Heard this yeah, song live? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it cool. live as well. Yeah, yeah. This is oh, nice. Song. Okay. You... Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, I can imagine this. This would be wicked. I've seen. Uh, I think I've seen a video of this, like a, a live a shot on it on YouTube. But uh, no, it's it's one of my favorite songs. I, I've got it as number two, but it could easily be a number one easily. Mm, cool, Ken. Yeah, this is a this for me is like the pivotal song on the album because it it's sort of talking about Finn Golfin who decides to challenge Morgoth. So they have a duel, and what ends up happening in the duel is that he he does wound Morgoth, but ultimately fails. So basically, Morgoth slays him. So this song I think is very pivotal where it's placed. It's 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 strong. It's dark. I I would agree with Jim. It's probably my second favorite song on the album as well. I would. It, it's it's a really really good song. I know they play it live. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it live, and I love that song. People really get into that song. Yeah, no, no, I'm a big fan as well. Uh, definitely top half for me. And, and I guess it's interesting to to hear the background because for me, it always kind of felt like a march into battle song, yeah. <laughs> but without knowing the actual story. So uh, I'm glad that that sort of connects. Um, but yeah, I, again, like, you know, just two little things. I, I think Hansi's like, you know, really diverse vocal range here. He actually lets out some pretty cool like metal screams uh, on this one. Uh, part way through it uh and then as jim said just a great uh drumming track is kind of another note i jotted down there so yeah. cool. we're all in agreement on that one yeah uh as we pretty much have been uh, through most <laughs> album so no surprise there uh track 14 the dark elf uh yeah. about 20 seconds uh what's happening here so the dark elf is referring to el um, he seduces uh, Turgon's sister. She fathered Magellan, who's eventually one of the one of the uh, um, who's 
responsible for the city of or the betrayal of Gondolin as the city as it falls. So that's pretty much what's going on in in, in that little that little interlude. Hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, track fifteen, Thorn, uh, another of the uh, the longer tracks. Uh, Jim, you want to start with this one? Yeah, this is <clears throat> excuse me. This is my part two of my one. So this is my mm -hmm. other favorite track on the album. I I don't know what it is that 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 uh, gets me. I love this song. I keep returning to it. It's on like I have a playlist of songs from all kinds of power metal bands, and this is one of the ones from Blind Guardian on, on there. And I, I absolutely lo I love the vocals on it. I mean, it, it's probably maybe a little different than uh, what was the other one there, Nolder. But I I really 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 like uh, like the vocalization on it. It's it's a I think it's a killer track. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I I would agree with Jim. Um, again, this is a, the second pivotal song, so the, it's a part two. So what you get here is that Magellan is actually uh, dealing with Morgoth, and Morgoth is trying to convince Magellan to turn sides, to join his side. So the, the song itself refers to the, um, the, the gates, the thorn bushes, which are, are actually on, that hide in the outer gates of Gondolin, the city itself. So that's where the, where the, song, the thorn song title comes from. Again, it's pivotal. It's a very dark moment because you, you, you can sense it in, in the style of the song and just the frustration mm -hmm. that should should Magellan turn tides. So I love this song. This is a fantastic song. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and so not to discredit its importance, <laughs> it, it's, it, you know, I think for me it's very similar to Nightfall, and we, oh, okay. we sort of differentiated on that one too. Like I get sort of the same feeling for me, like, like and this is just a personal thing. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, the pacing is just not, not a favorite for me. Uh, mm -hmm. And so just like Nightfall doesn't have a lot of uh, replay value. Uh, just in my limited view, but um, again, another one that's uh, rarely played live, uh, just a couple of times. Well, it's like wow. six eighteen, six minutes and eighteen yeah. seconds. So it's a long song. It's yeah. a long song. A little maybe, maybe a little bit overwrought. It could be. Maybe that's why they don't play it live. Yeah, I mean, like I had sort of a note here just saying, you know, maybe this is being too harsh, but if it was cut in <laughs> half, I would probably like it better. But sure, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 So we we have another section here where again no uh, interlude uh, in between songs. Uh but this is actually a shorter one, The Elder, uh coming in at about three and a half minutes. Uh Ken, you want to start here? Yeah, uh, I like the song too. It's it's short, it's short and sweet, so it gets to the point. So basically Eldar refers to the Elven King Finrod, and basically Finrod um is dying. So he's uh, basically giving his farewell to his people. Um, he sustained all these kind of wounds, um, and basically by a werewolf of all things. So it's kind of bizarre. It's kind of bizarre, but he's dying, and he's basically just letting his people know that he's passing on. So the song, I think, is appropriate. It's short, it's sweet. Um, it's not one of the memorable ones for me either. Um, I don't mind it, though. I, I find on the second half, the tracks on the second half kind of wane a little bit. I yeah. find the power is all in the first mm -hmm. half. First yeah. five, six, seven songs. They're killer. Second half, yeah, you start to wind, you're winding down a little bit because you're getting to the point where there's a lot of overwrought kind of people are dying, things are going on. But I guess as you're trying to follow the narrative, this, this song makes a lot of sense. Hmm. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, just I'll jump in quickly and then pass to Jim. But for me, this one's a pass. Uh, not a big uh, fan. Uh, and I don't know if this is just me, but like I re-listened to this last night. Like, like this is one of the few times I don't like like Hansi's vocals. Like towards the end when he's getting like really powerful and emotional. Like I don't know. To my ears, it sounds like he's trying too hard. Uh, mm -hmm. And he's almost going beyond his ability. Like, like it doesn't sound, uh, his voice doesn't sound as good. But again, maybe that's just me. Um, but yeah, not, not a big, uh, not a big uh, fave of mine. Uh, and definitely uh, echo um, Ken's comments that uh, the last half is definitely not as good as the first half and middle. Uh, but Jim, over to you. Yeah, I mean, I think the piano in it's pretty, pretty good, but it's got kind of a bit of a, like, it's trying to be like a sabotage song in my mind, like it could have fallen off of, that's that's, that's how point. I kind of get a feel on it, but that's it's just, point. I, again, yeah. like you guys, it just doesn't do it for me, I, mm. I think it's, uh, like and now that we have Ken who's deciphering the uh, <laughs> the song meanings, it makes sense because yeah. obviously things are starting to wind down and things are starting to uh, kind of come to some sort of fruition, good or bad. So, uh, you know, but yeah, it's definitely this would be one that I probably probably would pass on. And I did re-listen to the whole album a couple times yesterday and this song a couple times. I have like the most notes about this song, just talking about like the piano and that, but yeah, eh, it's, it's definitely uh, not one of my favorites. Okay. So we're, we're somewhat largely aligned uh, <laughs> yeah. on that one. So next uh, track 17, not sure if I'm saying this right. Nom the wise. Yeah. Nom the wise. Uh, Ken. Yeah. So Baron it's again, it's like, a, it's like morning now. Cause we're wrapping down. So Baron basically is like, well, thin rod is gone. So uh, Baron and Finrod are friends, and so Bar so basically Baron's just like lamenting the death of his friends. So it's you can see as as we're going along here, everyone's dying and everyone's just like crying now, dying and crying. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so we're starting to come down to the end. So track eighteen, uh, when sorrow sang. Uh, maybe I'll uh, start with this one. Um, for me, I enjoy it, you know, despite the second half being a bit weaker than the uh, first, I still think this is a, a good track. I think the uh, chorus is particularly uh, memorable and catchy, mm -hmm. um, you know, some pretty good riffs and solos, the drumming's good. Um, but it's interesting for me, I think, and I imagine the story had to be told, so they had to keep going. But for me, the album should have ended here. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, I think this is a much better ending song to this album. And we'll get mm -hmm. to a dark passage later. And maybe I'm out on an island. Uh, mm -hmm. But for me, I feel like the, the album would have best uh, close with when Sorrel sang. Uh, but Jim, how about you? Yeah, I kind of echo the same sentiment. I mean, it's a, probably the second fastest or sorry, heaviest song on the album, I would say. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's almost injecting a little bit of life towards the end of it here after excuse me the the um the elder so it's kind of got a good spot but i never thought of that but yeah i agree that probably the album should have wound down at around song 18 and uh you know uh i i think probably you're you're right there um as it just kind of keeps keeps kind of going along but like you say 
uh, and I'm sure Ken, uh, I'm sure Ken's going to explain yeah. how, why the story continues. So, <laughs> Ken, over to you. <laughs> well, okay, so it's a two-part song, and I I see what both you're saying about how the song tends to be one way to start, and then it yeah. switches gears in the second half. So, like in the first part of the song, again, it goes back to the idea of sorrow. So, what you get here is that. Um, um, Baron is sort of lamenting to because he was in love with with an elven princess uh, Luthien, uh, who died at the hands of one of Morgoth's wolves. So it's kind of weird. And then the second half of the part of the song, this is why I think you guys are bringing it up. Um, what happens is that Mandros is another character is listening to Luthien's song, and to, and she's sort of going through the idea of the grief or about being because they're kin because Mandros and Luthien are from the same kin. So it's a song about the grief of relating to each other so i think it's a, it's like they tried to um took two story beats from from the from the book and then sort of mesh them into one song so i think that's what you're getting out of it i like the song i like the heaviness of it i would agree it's like probably the second heaviest song on the album but but i would agree with both you guys that it's it's odd because it's sort of it's almost like two songs in one and they don't really gel when you get to the second half so, so what I'm getting from you is it would be like almost kind of two points of view split in one yeah. song. Oh, that's okay, right. perfect. That's right. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's that basically makes, what, that clears what it up. Yeah. Well, that okay. explains the why it feels different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, and then uh, they surprise us with two uh, intros all in a row. So I'm going to go to uh, to Ken here out of the water. Yeah, so basically it's it's just referring to the the last dwelling place where Baron and and Luthien were were living because they're they're kin they're kin so they're it just refers to that so out of the water. Okay, and then uh, track twenty, the steadfast. Yeah, so track twenty, um, it, it's an okay song. I don't mind it as well, but you for me at this point in time, I would agree with you guys as like, well, I don't know if we <laughs> need if we actually need these last few songs. But this is basically Morgoth, and he's cursing. Um, he's, he has a captive um, named Hun, who's like one of the who's like one of the elfish as a steadfast, and he refuses to to reveal the secrets of Gondolin because that's where Morgoth is at this point in time. He's looking to to take over Gondolin. So it's an all right song, but it sort of seems anticlimactic. I I kind of feel so. I, I would agree with you what you're saying there, Billy. It's maybe the song isn't really needed. Hmm. Uh, and then we get the last full song on the album, Dark Passage, uh, six minutes. Uh, Jim, you want to take a stab at this one? Yeah, like, you know, I, again, we'll go back to where probably should have ended a few tracks earlier. Yeah. And this uh, this song doesn't really do much for me. Um, yeah. Maybe knowing the meaning behind it probably may, may help a little bit, but I just find it's kind of at this point, we're, we're getting up there when we start hitting around the twenties, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, in, in my feel, it, it should have ended a few songs earlier. Yeah. I, I'm exactly the same. <laughs> Nothing more for me to add. So Ken, over to you. Yeah. So like the song is just waxing poetic. So Morgoth is like, he's pondering his triumph in the fifth battle. So the songs about the origins of, of the kindred of men and about Morgan, Morgan's curse. So yeah, it's sort of it's okay, but yeah, I could sort of see where it doesn't really need the song, to be honest with you. So would this song be like a summary of what we yeah, just went yeah, through? That, that's, okay. a good, that's a good point. Yeah, it's like a summary of it's summing up everything about Morgoth and and his uh, okay. his place in the uh, Tolkien mythology. Ah, okay, okay. 
And, and the, the only other thing that, that I noticed on this track is, uh, again, I, I find it kind of uh, indicative of what's to come at a, a night at the opera. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to get into that album. I'll talk about that in the ranking. But um, like style-wise, there's some similarities there. Okay. Uh, then last track, we made it through 22. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Final chapter. Uh, Ken, any last words? Yeah, it's just it's just again it's Morgoth summing up his victory over over the treachery of man because that's who's basically interfered in his plans, and he's also looking. It's it leads you into this that there's a hope for a new day for the dark side, not for the good side, the good side of light, but for the <laughs> side of darkness. So it's kind of like it's it's cool. I I don't I actually like this little little tidbit because it's like oh okay so we're beginning with the idea of the death of darkness. And the hope that darkness will return again to the land of uh, the Tolkien Tolkien realms. Cool. Okay. Cool. That's good to know. So yeah. So that covers the uh, the twenty two songs, probably the most songs we've covered on any album uh, on the uh, podcast. But uh, so now it comes for that uh, time to rank the album, uh, one to ten. Uh, Ken, what do you give it? Uh, this album, I'm giving it a ten. Uh, for oh. me, it's it, I I just. It's one of those albums where I like the fact that it's it's a reversal where you get the, more of a perspective of the dark side as opposed to the light side because we all know the Lords of the Ring trilogy and the light over overtakes the dark but mm. it's kind of unique for me and I, I think it's interesting because a lot of power metal bands I could tell you if they if anyone wanted to sort of write this album it would be from the perspective of the light so you'd get you'd get the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy here you get the the flip side of it and I think it's unique in, in, in the realm of power metal bands for that reason. So that's the reason why I'm giving it a 10. Oh, okay. No, fair enough. Uh, Jim? I'm, I I was going to give it an 8, but because uh, Ken has talked so passionately and explained it to me a lot better, I, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. So it, I think it's a great album. It's uh, I think it's an album, like I said earlier, that, that if you're – looking to get into power metal or even this band this is a great album to start because it you know it's uh it's a concept album first and foremost which is really good and i find when you're entering into bands that do concept albums i find uh you know it's a great way to start into their uh into their catalog and uh i mean i like it overall it's a great album and like i say i read a lot online that critics had panned it it's one of the yeah. one of the top power metal albums uh i guess they they say as of all time like in the top 10 or what have you but they do only pan it because of all the shorts that are in it they feel that maybe some of the spoken words and that but even having it explained uh you know with ken there it, it, it makes total sense so i i, I give it an eight and a half okay. well, i think if, if you're if you're like a fan of Tolkien, i think you'll like it but i have a feeling a lot of fans who aren't really into Tolkien. We'll probably, yeah, we'll probably think it's like all these little interludes don't really help the the actual album, but I think it does personally. Right. Okay. 
Yeah, and maybe I, I fall into that later uh, that later group. Uh, but I do find, you know, as Jim said, I find it helpful to understand because uh, in a few cases, it really, you know, you, you, what you said can makes like total sense. And actually, right. you know, knowing that background, you know, you're better off when you're approaching the album. But yeah, um, for me, uh, I actually went with eight, I guess, where Jim originally was. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I guess I'd say the outstanding songs you know stand up with the best of the blind guardian songs but like you know in my eyes like as we went through it particularly in the end you know we have like a number of, of tracks that were you know saying wow they're not as good the second half's not as good as the first half so um you know, maybe from from the uh, being like a grandiose album and trying to tell the story, it, it's like a 10. Uh, but, you know, for me, who's focusing a bit more on the uh, songs, uh, I fall a bit more into the eight just because there's some I don't like. But sure. Well, that's okay. fair. All right. Awesome. So there we go. We got a range, an eight, an 8.5 uh, and a 10. So uh, either way, a strong album from from our perspectives. Yeah. Okay, I uh, just wanted to spend uh, a few minutes uh, to discuss Blind Guardian a little and where we think, like, what's their historical significance uh, within the power metal uh, genre. Um, so, yeah, Ken, how about you uh, kick us off there? Um, well, I I think significantly they, they are, like, one of the historical bands in the genre because they tend to be more on the progressive side. Um, they... They, I mean, yeah, I mean, the majority of their albums are all fantasy lyrics. Let's be honest, that, that's what we get from from the band. But I, I just, for me, from a, a sonic perspective, I prefer them. Like I, I love. Um, I don't mind Halloween, but I find them more gimmicky for me. It's just my opinion. But some people say, "Oh, that's blasphemy." But I'm not a huge fan <laughs> of Halloween. Um, I mean, they're they're great in terms of being a power metal band. Um, but for me, power metal, like they're the tops. I consider them for me the tops because I think as a guitar-driven band, and because I I like I like heavy guitars and music, I always associate them with, with with the early thrash genre because they have a very similar style and they're not necessarily playing thrash riffs, but but the riffs but the riffs are strong. They they're very memorable in all the songs, and I love how they've actually morphed into something from uh, like just of speed metal outfit to something that's more of a progressive a progressive sound over the years mm. so i i rank them really really high in my opinion i mean um as in terms of like other power metal bands i there's a few that i i um um i do like um but i think like gamma like i like gamma ray as well because i find gamma ray <laughs> again they're similar in the style like they're a guitar driven band first and that's because even with gamma ray that like Land of the Free is one of, was one of my favorite all time power metal albums. Yeah. But yeah. in terms of like this band, yeah, I I I'm I'm more onto the side of power metal where it's more guitar driven. I I could live with the progressive stuff, but for me, this is like one of the tops from in my mind. Okay, lots of good uh, points there, uh, Ken. Jim, how about you? Yeah, I mean these, you know, I I I read online that they're considered the big four, which would be them, Dragon Force. Sabaton and Halloween. I, I like Hall Halloween a lot. I mean, I like Sabaton. I, I, I think these guys um, are kind of like the Iron Maiden of power metal, where you know you have what what Maiden is to uh, 
to traditional uh, new wave of British heavy metal. These guys are to power metal. They're a leader. And I, I, I agree with Ken in that. Um, I like Halloween a lot. I, they've got a lot of great, great catalogs, uh, a great catalog and they're, they're awesome, but you know, and there's a lot of new power metal coming out. Um, you know, I think like it feels like almost like one in every five new releases yeah. is a power metal release coming out. And, and you can yeah. tell they lend really heavily on Blind Guardian. And I mean, that's just a great homage to the fact that they're so good at their craft. And, you know, it, it um, when you guys asked me to do this, I was like, I jumped all over it because it, it kind of, it's one of these things that, I kind of came out of left field because it's like, oh yeah, these guys, and they're always, it's always, oh yeah, oh yeah. And, and uh, I think they have a huge amount of fan base. It's just, you know, uh, just breaking it through to more masses. And, but, but they're definitely one of the top four. And if not, I agree with, uh, with Ken saying they're probably one of the most influential. And I think I read somewhere that their influences are anywhere from, early like they they uh, thrash bands like testament and that but they also mm -hmm. iron maiden was a big influence of that of theirs as well so that's 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 where i stand with them okay yeah i know more great points um yeah it's an interesting topic uh like, like from my perspective i kind of view two key uh, power metal bands uh halloween and blind guardian are, are the two like everything you know sort of comes after right like whether mm -hmm. it's abaton or uh dragon force i mean these were uh, two of the uh, earliest but you know halloween I, I guess you can't deny the fact that they were first mm -hmm. um when that first blind guardian album came out they you know halloween had already released walls of jericho which Blind Guardian in the early days have said on record that that was a key influence for them. Uh, and both keepers were pretty much out there. Uh, yeah. So you got to give credit to Halloween to sort of being uh, a pioneer uh, in that genre because they started before anyone else did. But, mm -hmm. you know, two key things to, to say about Blind Guardian and one, you know, you guys both said the same thing, but uh, I think, you know, they're just more musically diverse and willing to take mm -hmm. chances. I mean, Halloween always stays in their lane, like all these years later. Uh, I mean, with the exception of the uh, the dreadful chameleon uh, album, <laughs> which was still pretty in their lane, but it was a little, it really went poppy on that one. But like, you know, whereas Blind Guardian took chances, right? And in my view, they didn't all land, but, you know, again, they're, they're not staying uh, stale. Uh, but I think most importantly, um, Blind Guardian have probably the, without a doubt, the best album output in the 1990s uh, mm -hmm. decade. I, I mean, you that. have Tales from the Twilight, Somewhere Far Beyond, Imaginations, yeah. and yeah. Nightfall. Uh, Halloween has never done a four album run to touch that. Maybe three, uh, but not four. Um, so I think they deserve like a lot of credit because literally Halloween has never come close to that output uh, in a decade and with that high, consistent quality in my view. So that's where <laughs> I stand. Yeah, that's a good point, Billy. Uh, but yeah, Gamma Ray would be my, if I'm going to name uh, a third, uh, I love Gamma Ray. And, and, yeah, me too. Uh, of course, I'm sure we might mention it as we rank the albums, but Kai pops up 
uh, Kai Hansen pops up every That's now right. and then uh, on these uh, Blind Guardian albums. So, yeah, so let's jump over to ranking the albums, 12 albums, uh, no live recordings, no compilations. I'm going to focus on the 12. Uh, Ken, do you, uh, you want to kick us off? Yeah, of course. So number 12 is the worst album in, of a bunch, and that's the Legacy of the Darklands, which I don't really like. And it's very much, obviously, as uh, Bill and I were discussing previously, that it's it's pretty much a, a, a Hanzi solo record. And they, mm-hmm. it seems to me that, obviously, the, I'm sure the label said, well, we, we could sell this better if you put the Blind Guardian name on it. So I can see that. Um, yeah, so that's that's my least favorite of, of the, of the uh, discovery. Um, now, number 11, I'm going to put on At the Edge of Time. It's more of their later material. Um, I, I don't mind the later stuff, but I find, kind of find the last three or four albums are all kind of falling in the same kind of pattern and style. Um, somewhat progressive, still saying very heavy, but not really interesting a lot of new elements into their sound, because I think they've done that back in the 90s. It's, we, we can all agree to that. Um, number 10, I'm going to put uh, Beyond the Red Mirror. Again, I like it, but a lot like the, At the Edge of Time, it's very similar in style and tone and pace. Not a whole lot of uh, things that I'm, I want to come back and listen to three or four times. Uh, number nine, I'm putting Night at the Opera. Now, again, it's a, it's a kind of a fun, progressive album. They tried to be experimental. I'm not liking every song. There's a few songs that I think stand out, but it's, yeah, it's a mixed bag for me. Uh, number eight, I'm putting God Machine. That's their latest album. I actually like that album a lot. I, mm. I first heard it and I was like, yeah, it's kind of all right. But then you know, second, third, fourth time I'm hearing, I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty damn good. It's really heavy. And I like the fact that they went back to sort of more of a heavy riffing style. <laughs> it, it still has progressive moments, but not as much as they had in previous albums. Mm. Uh, number seven, I'm putting Twist in the Myth. Again, I like this album. It's got some, it's got the I love the song A Twist in the Myth. It's a really good video and I enjoy the song. It's kind of quirky. Um, it's a bit of a quirky album for them, so I kind of put it in the middle of the pack. Um, at number at number six, I'm putting the Battalions of Fear. Now I know it's their first album. I do <laughs> like it. It's a great speed metal album, but I just they've had so many better albums that have come after that first one. Uh, number five, I'm putting Follow the Blind. Now both to me Follow the Blind and Battalions of Fear are very much interchangeable. I think they're both the same album, just two different song, two different album titles, but they're very much the same for me. Uh, now, my top four. This is where uh, this is where it's going to really get interesting. Mm-hmm. My number four is Somewhere from Beyond Time. Heavy, heavy riffs. I love this. I love this album quite a bit. So you can see that they're starting to then the transition is starting to happen very slowly. But they're making that transition from just strictly speed metal into like progressive sounds. Uh, number three, I'm putting Tales from the Twilight World. I love the song Tommy Knockers. That song is fantastic. Um, and then number two, I'm putting Imaginations from the Other Side, which is, I don't know. I almost wanted to put that at number one because it's it's a struggle for me for number one being Nightfall and, and that being number two. But oh. that's where, yeah, that's where it ranks for me. I, I, I don't know, but you know what? I could change it too. I mean, I could say to you tomorrow, well, I'm going to put Imaginations from the other side as number one. But yeah, it's 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 hard for me because I like them both equally. But yeah, that's my ranking. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I know we definitely had some similarities there. Uh, Jim, do you want to, uh, to, to do a run through? Yeah, sure. So very similar, but 
I went on two things. Number one, I, I didn't want to read anybody else's like uh, views of the albums, like other than the one we we went through, uh, just because I didn't want it to to change my my ranking. Because I I own about seventy five percent of these albums, but and I went on a little bit of uh, just like uh, when I first heard them and that sort of thing. So, anyways, I digress. Uh, number twelve, famous Ken. Legacy of the Dark Lands. He said it all. That's my number 12. Number 11, uh, I went with A Night at the Opera, 2002. Um, yeah, I, I have no issues. Like, it's what I like about this band is they do take chances. And like what like uh, what Billy said, they don't stay in the same lane. And I like that. But, you know, we have to rank 12 albums. So something has to come in at 11. So. Yep. Uh, number 10, I this one's going to throw you guys probably off a bit. Tales from the Twilight, 1990. Ooh. I, that one fell back a bit for me. And number nine, The God Machine. I liked the new album. I thought it was yeah. great. Um, I could have probably ranked it a little bit higher, but um, definitely, as you said, Ken, definitely a heavier, more of a return to those first few albums. So I really like that. Uh, number eight, A Twist uh, a twist in the Myth, 2006. You know, it's eight-worthy for sure. Number seven, uh, Beyond the Red Mirror, 2015. You know, uh, again, some of the newer stuff are on the back end here. Uh, I'm at number six with Follow the Blind, 1989. Uh, that fell back, I think, a little farther for me than you, Ken. Um, number five, At the Edge of Time, 2010. I always liked that album. Number four would be this one, Nightfall. Uh, so that, that's where that fits for me. And then number three is Imaginations from the Other Side. Love that album. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, uh, we go with Somewhere Far Beyond. And my number one is their debut album, Battalions of Fear. And I oh, think, whoa. okay. And in all fairness, cool. it's probably not their best album. And I totally agree with that. <laughs> I mean, and the cover's kind of laughable, uh, you know, <laughs> the cover art. But it's just, that was the first album I got to hear. So we really immersed ourselves in that. And I think it just it's just stuck with me for so long that I, you know, I, and I love that album. So, uh, you know, it, it was my, it was their first album. And we played the hell out of it when we were younger. And I think that's why it stuck with me so much. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I know. Definitely some uh, similarities, uh, <laughs> but some differences as well, for sure, which makes sense, right? We're three different people. Okay, uh, so uh, kicking off mine, probably no surprise uh, with the three of us and every other Blind Guardian fan, uh, Legacy of uh, the Darklands coming yeah. last. Uh, agree with all that. I, I guess the only interesting thing was after that album came out, tell me every Blind Guardian fan wasn't on the edge of their seat to see what they would do next. Because um, if, they, if they came through with another similar album, that was likely the end. Uh, but luckily, as we know, that wasn't the case. Um, so for me, number 11 is uh, A Twist in the Myth. Uh, number 10, A Night at the Opera. So I kind of view these two very sort of somewhat uh, similar. I mean, like I get it must have been really hard to follow up, you know, the, the, the Nightfall album and uh, Imaginations, their, their grandiose albums. But I, I just think the direction changed too much. Um, 
probably my biggest complaint is the guitars and drums and the heaviness stepped away. And, and I love Hansi's vocals, but that kind of came to the forefront. All the layering and the rock opera feel and uh, there are pop influences in there. Just too much going on, way overproduced. Uh, so I'll leave it there. Uh, but maybe I actually will say I'm not the only one who, who feels that way. <laughs> Because uh, as you guys probably know, their longtime drummer, who was an amazing drummer, uh, Thomas, actually quit at this time over creative differences. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, he right. didn't dig the new direction either. So uh, <laughs> I take some comfort in the fact that I wasn't the only one. Uh, <laughs> so uh, number nine, Beyond the Red Mirror. Uh, I like it better than those previous two albums I mentioned. Still heavy on the orchestration. Uh, it's a bit hard to get through. Uh, again, just a lot going on, heavy, dense. But I do think the orchestration worked uh, somewhat okay. I uh, love the uh, song uh, Valkyries uh, on that album, though. Uh, the God Machine, uh, number seven. I think you guys sort of hit on that. Uh, again, I, I like the way they kind of pulled from all the different eras of the band, right? So it's not like the early stuff. It's not like the later stuff. It's sort of a good mix. And, and uh, I think it was fairly well received uh, when it came out. Yeah, it was. Uh, so the next two, I'll do uh, Battalions of Fear, 1988, Follow the Blind, 1989. Mm -hmm. So definitely uh, a nostalgia factor for me. So where I started uh you know more speed metal um so i thought that was pretty cool uh definitely a uh, rank follow the blind above battalions of fear just because the band matured sort of as musicians uh and songwriting um, a couple of these songs are still uh played uh widely today so so that's pretty cool um but one thing I'll say here is the absolute most dreadful cover song of all time, uh, Barbara Ann. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, Blind Guardian have a terrible history of cover songs, but I'm going to leave yep. it there. Uh, number four for me, Somewhere Far Beyond. Uh, I'll talk a bit more uh, about that with my number two. Uh, number three, Nightfall in Middle Earth. Uh, again, we talked about that to death, but again, because there's like the, the back half is weaker for me, uh, it, it falls below my one and two. Uh, number two, Tales from the uh, Twilight World. Um, so, you know, this and somewhere far beyond, band still transitioning uh, to power metal, defining their sound. Uh, you know, on Tales from the Twilight World, I think all the songs are memorable. But uh, here's, a, here's, a, here's where we uh, differ. My most hated song on the album is Tommyknockers. Uh, oh! <laughs> so that's interesting. Because, Ken, you and I are so largely aligned on most things. I know, I know. It's funny. Uh, like, it just <laughs> irritates me, that song. Oh, really? Uh, oh, I like that song. Yeah, okay. No, that's cool. We all hear things uh, differently. So, uh, and just a great combo of, uh, you know, aggression, heaviness. But again, yeah. the, for me, not like the later uh, Blind Guardian, the music is still up there first. It's heavy. Yeah, yeah, of course. These are still heavy. The drums are pounding, the big riffs. Uh, but then you also have this huge melody uh, that you would get that was coming mm -hmm. there. So great combo. Uh, and then my number one, you probably heard some of my groans when you guys were uh, yeah. yours. Uh, <laughs> imaginations from the other side. Uh, all I'm going to say, masterclass in heavy metal songwriting. Every Absolutely. song, perfect 10. 
Um, Absolutely. So for me, this this album and uh, Keepers, uh, best power metal ever made, uh, and I'm gonna mm. leave it there. Uh, cool, cool. Okay. So, so we're yeah. we're we're pretty close, Billy. We we're, we're almost pretty much we're very similar. Well, actually, all three of us. Yeah. yeah pretty, pretty similar. A similar ranking. I guess it just depends on what album appeals you to to you the most. Yeah. You know, so like, I mean, like I I don't mind Battalion. The first two albums I really like a lot. Yeah. But I just, I don't know, as, as you hear the, the later on in the catalog, they got so much better. But oh, I, understand, yeah. I understand where you're coming from, Jim, about, about it being like a nostalgia factor because it's the first oh, album. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, nostalgia, you know, that's, whenever I'm doing these rankings, I think of, okay, it's kind of, I think nostalgia wins out for me. <laughs> yeah. It's just the way it goes. And, uh, but I mean, yeah. You know, and I know they, I think they rebooted that as well, too. And they put some uh, extra bonus, an extra bonus track on there. I think they did a reboot in 2007. Because, yeah, I mean, Battalions of Fear, the production on it wasn't even that great. But I kind of like those. I like albums, like debut albums, like Megadeth's Killing Is My Business, where it's kind of muddy and it's God warts and all. I kind of like that. I mean, I, I do pick up both. Like I usually have my original copies and then I pick up the remastered or the remix. And yeah, of course it sounds way better, but I like those uh, kind of, you know, Voivod's War and Pain, everybody rips on the production, but yeah, that, yeah. it sounds like it was done somebody's, you know, somebody's ghetto blaster. They went and they, <laughs> they recorded it on that. I love that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I mean, it adds to part of the early character of the album. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, and then just one thing, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, like you will even see this like on Wikipedia, not that that's always accurate, but uh, the album Beyond the Red Mirror, mm-hmm. and I've heard this reference many times, that that's supposed to be a sequel to Imaginations from the Other Side. Uh, and I have no idea how it doesn't sound like it. Like, no. like, is there something Ken maybe on the story that's that's pulling? All, that's um, kind of I over? haven't. I, I've I've heard what you what you're saying. I've heard that too, but um, I don't I don't see the connection. Yeah, I really either. don't. I don't see it. I'm like I don't see anything about it. It's very odd. It's an odd. Yeah, but Wikipedia, as you said, you can't really take yeah, verbatim exactly. what you read there because I don't know. It's like. Uh, I don't see the connection. I can, unlike you, I don't see it personally. Okay, cool. Um, so last item on the uh, agenda for today, just to chat a bit about uh, Blind Guardian live. Um, so Jim, have you seen them live? No, absolutely not. And it's one of my bucket list bands for sure. I mean, I you 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 go to Wack in every every year, and oh man, you've probably seen them so many times. I. I've seen them like on obviously on the YouTube and that, and they look like they put on one hell of a show. Yeah, yeah. Ken, I know you. You mentioned you've seen them. Yeah, 2016 when they played here in Toronto, I went to the show, and it was an amazing show. And as I was telling you earlier, Billy, that uh, they basically recorded that that uh, that yeah show cool. was actually recorded for their album, which I think came on 2017, a year later. So, because they before the show started, they they came on stage and Hansi was like, "Well, we're we're letting you know we're recording this tonight. This show is part of our our live our live album coming out next year, and we cool. just want you all to go like you know to be appreciative of that." And and actually, you know what? Their fans are great because everyone loves the music. Everyone was so into it. Um, it was a really really good night. So I'm happy that 
they recorded it, that show for their live album and it worked because it was a fantastic show. I blew me off the stage. I was blown away by that show. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, like I'm guessing, Jim, because you're in like Eastern Canada, like yeah. they do have like a decent record of coming to Canada, um, but pretty much like solely Toronto and Montreal. Yeah. Because um, I've seen them a fair amount through the 2000s uh, okay. in either uh, Toronto or uh, Montreal. Um, but yeah, I'm guessing they, they limited to those two uh, places, but they do draw well. Like when you saw them on that tour, Ken, was mm -hmm. the uh, place packed? Oh, it was jam packed. It was yeah. sold out. Yeah, exactly. It was sold out. It was one of the inertia events and it was, a, yeah, it was like totally sold out. Crazy. No, I'm always surprised. Well, I shouldn't say I'm surprised, but like I, I go see Halloween in, in Canada, and they don't they they don't draw amazingly well. Mm -hmm. uh, but Blind Guardian, every time I go, they they have good crowds. Yeah, uh, absolutely, um, absolutely. But yeah, so what the best? Sorry, go ahead, Jim. You know, just what, what do they put on? Like I've seen their their musically their live show. Do they have like a really grandiose stage like presence or? Is it something no. like Sabaton or no. No? no? no, no, they're they're very they're very like kind of not I don't want to say mean potatoes, but they just okay. come on stage. They have a light show. They just they just they're they're so into playing that right. you can't help but not get into it because they're really their instrumentation's live. They're they're spot on. Like they okay. it sounds like they're coming right out of the studio. Cool. Um, so they so you can tell like Maiden like they don't have the same kind of um. I guess uh, uh, heroics and the kind of like the costumes and all that yeah. gimmicks, but they do in terms of the playing, they yeah. they take their playing very serious. Yeah, and what amazes me is so I've seen them probably about ten times. Okay. Uh, Hansi's voice is always perfect. Yeah, like like I don't know how he does it, right? Like you would think. I mean, the big festivals they're more one off, so I get it. But even when I've seen them on. Um, their their North American tours, uh, they're always he's always in excellent shape. The band reproduces the music perfectly. Um, probably the, the my my best memory would be uh, you know at Wacken right. I saw them there in uh, 2011 and 2016. Uh, at hometown crowd, uh, eighty thousand people. Like you know, I, I've mentioned before what are some of my greatest memories of uh, Wacken, but mm -hmm. uh, I have to say when 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 eighty five thousand people drowned out Blind Guardian singing the bar. <laughs> uh is one of those like great memories uh um, and so yeah that nice. was pretty cool got to see them on uh 70, tons of metal uh okay. in 2015 they played two different sets so that was cool um and of course with that festival they all the bands walk around the ship uh and you're always able to chat with them so i had a chance to briefly chat uh nice. that was pretty cool uh, and then i'll just mention the the first time i ever saw them and ken I, maybe you i'm guessing you missed this one but mm -hmm. um i think it was 2002 uh the night at the opera tour uh yeah, i didn't was, see i it. believe the opera house as well yeah yeah it did they did i i ended up missing that show okay like i kicked myself for not seeing it but yeah, I heard that was actually a pretty. So you went to that show, Billy? Yeah, I take it. Yeah. Oh, cool. That was nice. the first time I ever saw them. Nice, nice. Yeah, cool. I missed it. I missed that show. Okay. And then the only other thing that I say that was pretty cool, uh, partially blind guardian, but got to see demons and wizards. Uh, oh, in nice. New York City oh, in yeah. 2019. Cool. 
which was really cool as well. Yeah, they're 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 an okay band, but I I'm 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 mixed. I like the idea of it, but I'm not yeah, a big yeah. John Schaefer fan. I don't oh, know. I know, yeah. I'm not, not I, like I. It's an odd pairing. I get the point of what they're trying to do, yeah. But I don't. I just don't get the point of it. It's like I John Schaefer, like really. Yeah, um, maybe it's that. just me. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, I like their first album, so that's where it was the best for me. Yeah, I like the first album too. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so yeah, I, I think that was a great uh, conversation. Lots of good yeah. back and forth. Um, I think that's about it. Ken and Jim, any last uh, thoughts? No, no, I'm I'm happy we did this. This is great. It's a great power metal band. Guitarist first. That's what I'll say about this band. If you're really into guitars, this yeah. is like one one power metal band to get to like to wrap your your or sink your teeth into actually so yeah that's, i love this band they're yeah. one of my favorite one of my favorite favorite bands yeah i agree i mean having us be able to do a band like this where it's so deep i find it's really really cool it's uh you know this this listening to this podcast they'll hopefully more fans will check out more material and i hope yeah. they, they really do because you know middle early and later stuff there's a mix of everything for everybody yeah. so yeah that, that's the way i feel yeah no perfectly said yep no for sure um so yeah no that's good nothing else uh, on my part so uh please check out next week's podcast at the usual time uh topic still being uh, debated a little bit so uh it'll be a bit of a surprise not going to uh, reveal it today um so on behalf of uh, Jim, Ken, and myself, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, and please share your, your, your rankings and your favorite Blind Guardian uh, albums uh, in the comment sections of any of our platforms, uh, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube, or uh, wherever you, uh, you get your fix of uh, uh, the metal pit. So again, thanks all. Uh, great episode. Uh, and we'll uh, see you next time.